Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today is March 4th, 2023, and this is another edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Uh, Going to knock out some quick housekeeping, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into the topic of the day. So here we go. Uh, if you haven't checked out our new website, mspinitiative.com, nice, pretty, and colorful uh, you will see sessions, this session and every other session we've ever done or recorded will be in podcast and video format here under the sessions tab. Check out our community mind events will be our one in-person event other than other things that we collaborate throughout the channel with throughout the year. So uh, August 13th, 14th in Denver, please come out uh, totally free for MSPs to register and join us. So there'll be some additional, you know, kind of industry minds, community minds coming together. Here are some of the people that'll be joining us. We really like this format where we're going to actually workshop through ideas so that we don't PowerPoint you, bullet point you, and walk away with nothing to actually do. Uh, I can't tell you how many breakout sessions I've ever been on and uh, walk away. And I'm like, did I actually accomplish anything here? No. Okay. We also have some community block parties announced. Um, some of them are up online. We're doing DattoCon in Dublin in June. Uh, the um, community boat party uh, with our friends over at Taylor Business Group in uh, August in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale area. Uh, we'll also be uh, bringing back our big, big event, uh, not to knock off the uh, big, big uh, conference from uh, Taylor Business Group, but we'll be doing our larger end of year one in Orlando as well. Uh, we also have another one that will be popping up here shortly in Europe. Uh, so stay tuned, you know, now that we've gotten our taste of uh, our friends over the ocean. We have some community offers from some of our vendors here in the in the, uh, the sandbox that wanted to throw some cool stuff out for the community. And then we have our industry calendar where we've just consolidated a bunch of things that we keep on getting, uh, you know, thrown into our calendars as things that are happening around the industry. Uh, so you can actually submit your own events as well uh, if we're missing any. And that is mspinitiative.com. Today, um, other than the fact that as a guy who lives in Philly area, don't hold it against me, uh, it's actually kind of nice out finally, right? 60-ish degrees, not uh, you know wearing the heavy, heavy jacket today, a little sun, no rain. I could get kind of used to that. But then I've been saying that for my entire adult life and uh, still snows every year. I guess I'll figure it out at some point. Our special guest is Curtis from Druva. How are you doing today, Curtis? Well, I'm doing I'm doing great. Unfortunately, I mean, I live in a, a beautiful San Diego, but it's apparently warmer there today than it is here. So it's uh, it was it was 38 degrees last night. Uh, I don't know how that happens, but I would say that you're definitely. Right now. I think you're definitely winning the nicer weather. Uh, you know, competition on the regular. Uh, Definitely. For, for you know, and I'm only just, a, you know, a visitor to the San Diego area from time to time as different events roll through the area. Uh, I would say that, um, you know, pretty nice view too, right? <laughs> right there on the water. So it doesn't uh, suck. Yeah, it does not suck. Well, that's good to know that you're from San Diego area. Um, you know, for anyone that hasn't run into you in real, you know, real live Technicolor, I uh, would love to get a little bit of background on yourself, Curtis. Um, you know, technology industry is wide, but it's not that wide. And I'd love to hear everybody's journey, right? How they kind of progressed 
down you know memory lane to ultimately get to where you're at today so let's learn a little bit about you sure uh so interestingly enough when i got out of the navy i was in philly and uh yeah i was at what used to be called philadelphia philadelphia naval shipyard over there uh off the schuylkill expressway and um i went into it (laughs) nice went into it i can't think about sports right now we lost the national championship last night well Uh, i I can commiserate with you because i was at the super bowl and i i saw my loss too so see we got that Yeah. yeah um so the um uh i started uh my career in it getting a a job as the backup guy at what at that time was the second largest credit card company which was mbna down in delaware and so i spent six years uh, in delaware half of it in the navy half of it working for the bank and then went into uh consulting and uh my 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 goal was to get out of backups, right? My goal was to go, was to be a real sysadmin. And um, that, that just didn't work out, right? They, they put me in my first job for that company was at the headquarters of what at that time was uh, Amico uh, in Chicago. And uh, I was there to be a sysadmin, with, but their backups were broken. And um, so I wrote, I wrote my first article basically uh, about an Oracle backup script that I had written. It got published in Unix Review Magazine. I don't know if you remember that magazine. By the way, this is in, this was in um, uh, 93, right? 93, 94 is when I got out. And um, I um, basically, I caught the publishing bug at that point. And within a few years, I had written my first book. And, you know, once you've written a book on a topic, you're kind of stuck in that, in that industry. Somewhere along the line there, I, I picked up the nickname Mr. Backup and, uh, well, now it's 30 years later and here I am. Well, it is definitely an important topic. Um, you know, one that you would think has been talked about and solved and settled, but, you know, now it's definitely still part of the security conversation, that's for sure. And uh, there's still a lot of people out there that uh, find out that their backups aren't good in the worst possible situation. Uh, Cause it's like, Hey, set it and forget it. But you really did forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. We could, we could talk about, you know, why, you know, why backups are still complicated, right? There, there's actually new problems. Uh, but one thing that hasn't changed has been that nobody wants that job, right? People do step up for the security job. People do step up to be a sysadmin or a network admin, but very few people want to be the backup person. Yeah, I feel like it's at this point, it's like an out, you know, like, you know, you either have some sort of set software or vendor or, you know, like you get the report at the end of the day, there's some sort of green checkbox. You're like, okay, cool, it's good. And then like, you don't think twice about it. Exactly. So that's... um. You know, uh, you know, something that you would think is pretty automated at this point, but yet again, <laughs> maybe not as automated, you know, maybe automation has maybe created a little bit of a crutch, if you would, right, where people don't actually go and double check. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I can say that it is more automated than it, than it was, and there, and it is less, I think, less error prone than it was, uh, primarily because we moved off of tape as the backup medium 
I mean, not everybody, but most people have moved off of tape as the backup medium. And that was a very mechanical device that was, you know, tape was actually and is actually pretty reliable if you treat it the way it's meant to be treated, but most people didn't. And so it wasn't. And uh, we moved off of tape as a, as a backup device, generally speaking, and people are using either, uh, you know, on-prem disk or uh, cloud services. And the, it, it does generally run if you've set it up properly. It's that first part um, that, that, that is still the problem, number one. And number two, you also have to, you know, you spoke about security. You know, you said backup is part of security conversation. Well, security is very much a part of the backup conversation. Um, it's becoming perhaps the premier challenge of a typical, uh, especially an on-prem backup and recovery system. Yeah. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about your company. Um, for people who haven't heard of, I hope I'm saying it right, Druva. You got uh, it right. Awesome. What What's, you know, it's a name that I haven't seen pop up, you know, in comparison to some of the names that have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Just a little mm-hmm. background on the company. So Druva is... Um, uh, a Bay Area uh, company that is uh, the leading provider of SaaS-based data protection, um, and um, basically, like if you look at look at any of the reports that people typically look at, like Gartner or IDC, you'll find that th- that 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 description is adequate. That that we are, um, you know, either a leader or you know wherever wherever we need to be. But generally speaking, we'll be the only one that is a SaaS company. Many of the companies are starting to have SaaS features or SaaS arms to them, but uh, we are the only one that is uh, that's in that circle that is SaaS only. Hmm. Uh, we have uh, over four thousand uh, customers. Uh, we have, you know, I, I forgot the latest number, but I think I saw that we do 17 million backups a day. We are, um, basically in, we, we are a service that runs in Amazon and that, that service is therefore available in pretty much anywhere. Amazon has a fully functioning, uh, region, right? We do need, uh, we're, we're not like some of our some of our competitors uh, do you're, you're familiar with the concept of lift and shift right where you, you basically take a vm and you put it in the cloud that's not us we are fully designed to the way aws works meaning that every part of our service basically starts and stops or scales up and scales down automatically to meet the needs of the customers at that exact moment um and so as a result, that's why I'm saying we need a fully functional um, uh, AWS environment. But that means that we're in pretty much everywhere they are, with a few exceptions like China, for example, um, for reasons that I probably don't need to explain. <laughs> um, I think we're and following. what's that? I, th- I think we're following that one. <laughs> yeah, I think you're following. Yeah, we back up. So just a quick summary of what we back up. <clears throat> so we do uh, laptops, mobile devices, data centers, uh, cloud services like AWS, uh, SaaS services like 365, Salesforce, uh, 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 let's see, um, uh, Google Workspaces, and also uh, Kubernetes 
and uh i think i've co- i think i've covered all the things <laughs> so okay. that you know it gives you a good idea yeah no it sounds like it does. i mean mobile devices is interesting right because like you know i know a lot of people just install the app and sign in and go right that you know maybe not think about backing up with a mobile device unless you like you turn on iCloud or some sort of you know other service right or something like that well um, you know we're 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 a b to uh b2b company so it's you know we don't we don't worry so much about the, the b2c issue so what we're backing up is corporate data on on those mobile devices right okay and then you know as, as for the rest of it right i mean you know there's a little bit of uh, you know a hybridization going on right now right i mean i think we heard the you know the you know, cloud wars, if you would, right? Where they're like, hey, get your stuff out from on-prem. And then we realized, hey, you know, like to a degree, you know, the cloud stuff works and we've, we've, you know, but there's a price point barrier that it breaks down on, right? Especially when you go to the big guys, right? Yeah, yeah, I I would say that it it really matters how you go into the cloud, right? Okay. If, if you If you just do the lift and shift, all you did was exchange a car that you were paying for, you know, like you owned to a car that you're renting. Right. Um, and so, yes, it's going to be more expensive. If all you did was just move a bunch of VMs and VMs into the cloud, that is absolutely going to be more expensive than what you did uh, down here. Right. But if you actually refactored and you, and you first off pick an application that has a varying load, right? Which means not necessarily all applications, right? So pick an application that has a varying load mm-hmm. and one that can be essentially turned off when it's not uh, when it's not doing anything. Backup is a perfect example of such an application, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, basically you're doing it, you're doing it at night, typically, and you're not typically doing a lot during the day. So why are you, and there are other services that maybe only run during the day and they don't do a lot of stuff at night. So if you're able to design um, your infrastructure to use the cloud that way, right? Mm-hmm. If you can find parts of your infrastructure that, that, aren't, um, that either aren't running all the time or if you can tie your cloud costs directly to what you're selling. Let me just give you a perfect example. Of what the, this is something we do. So where we try as much as we can to design our infrastructure so that when we do more backups, we pay for more stuff, right? We pay. For, so an example, we use DynamoDB as a, as a giant, um, you know, key value pair database that stores all this information on behalf of our customers. Well, that the number of records we pay for the number of records we put in Dynamo, DynamoDB, which is directly correlated to the number of backups we do, which is directly correlated to our our what we're charging, right? So if you can do that, cloud can make a lot of sense for a lot of people, but um, if you don't do that, then it's just going to be. I, I really do liken it to the rental car. Right, you you have a rental car, so you've got a car that's sitting in your driveway twenty four seven, but you're only using it a couple hours a day, right? You will have a reliable car, and someone else will be responsible for maintenance, but it will definitely cost you more. Yeah, I think part of the problem is, you know, again, from a math standpoint, to your point, right? There's there's a calculation there, 
there's also the you know all your all your eggs in one basket you know argument right mm -hmm. and then there's also the hey you know some stuff just doesn't work as well if it's not close enough to wherever it's being used right so like this comes back to the whole hey devil's in the details right what is the yep. application that i'm using what is the infrastructure setup of what i'm using and then shifting for shift's sake doesn't necessarily solve my problem right no oh, that was it yep, yeah it moves my world Sorry. right so i think what we've settled on right is everything's now very hybrid right maybe mm -hmm. not everything is all in one place for cost for usability maybe that's just hey i just don't want to you know have a single source of of you know if amazon goes down or google goes down or azure goes down or whatever um so so now there's this hot you know this data is kind of everywhere right you know we got to worry about information that we need to cover in multiple you know formats in multiple places on multiple devices uh, I know a lot of people love to like, you know, put all their important stuff in, you know, the one drives or the, you know, whatever they're using for their shared storage, right? Or, you know, if it's not the physical server kind of file share, but like, I feel like other than, hey, if we cover all of the important apps, devices, endpoints, like, you know, number one, I want to make sure that the backup actually has the data, right? We've heard of other mm -hmm. solutions where, you know, the checkbox comes through, you see green, you're like, all right, cool. We're good. And then you find out when you go to restore that data, oops, it's not really right. Old, right? And then, right. and then number two, we're hearing a lot of, you know, everybody follows the big, you know, headlines of this breach, that breach, supply chain, this, et cetera. You know, a lot of these people who are the bad actors who clearly are getting more intelligent and a little bit better at what they do as life goes on. Um, the first thing that they try and hit if you get hit with the ransomware demand or whatever that you know it is, is they also try and hit your backup, right? So that they cover yep. the production data and the backup data so that you don't have anything to revert back to. Exactly. Uh, and that's that's the, basically the point that I'm constantly making, right? Yeah. And that has become one of, you've basically hit, you know, in, in what you were saying just now, you basically hit the two big problems with backup today. It used to be, you know, when I when when I was you know starting IT, you went to the data center. It was the center of data, right? You went into one place. You're like, those are all the servers. Back all those up, right? Mm -hmm. Now my stuff is here. It's there. It's in multiple data centers. It's in the data center. It's in the cloud. And some of it's in in services. You talked about OneDrive, and I'm fine with pe people putting stuff in OneDrive. I just hope they're backing up OneDrive because Microsoft isn't doing it for them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the one problem is that the, the data is all over the place. Uh, the second problem is the, the security issue. Right. So, yes, they are absolutely coming for your backups from a ransomware perspective. In fact, if you read many of the stories, you'll see this one line in there and the backups were also affected. Right. Um, it, you know, it, it's one little line in a story, but from a <laughs> from a, a company perspective, that that's a that's a game changer. Um, and unfortunately, again, I go back to something else I said that, um, nobody wants to be the backup person. Well, that also means that nobody's going to raise their hand, say, Hey, is anybody looking into the security of the backup system? Right. Um, nobody wants to run it, let alone, let alone make sure it's secure. I think that if you have an on-prem backup system, it needs to be at the front end 
of the security line, right? In terms of getting the most recent patches, the most recent uh, techniques, et cetera, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing, because it's definitely your last line of defense. And, um, you know, if it, if it goes, then there goes the rest of the company, right? No, hundred percent. So what is your company doing special in this area? You know, because I feel like everybody says they're doing the same things in this category, right? I mean, devil's in the details again, right? They can all claim that the car runs. They can all claim that, you know, you're not going to break down in between A to B. But like, what, what is, what's special at your company that's different from any other company that's ever said, hey, we have backup covered for you? Yeah. So the, the big difference, again, I just early on the fact that we're a SaaS provider, right? So basically all of our backups, all of your backups and, and, and you know, any customer that is using us, all of their backups are of course uh, encrypted on-prem then encrypted where we store them, stored in a completely different authentication and authorization system than what they have on-prem, meaning it's stored in our account. There are many providers that, that will put the service in your account, right? But then it's basically, you, if you buy, pick your favorite backup product and you put it in a VM in the cloud, uh, and then you have to do a VPN between your data center and that cloud in order to, to do it, you really haven't accomplished anything from a security perspective, right? But if you put that, uh, if it's a completely different service or, or if you put the VM in the, the vendor's account, then it, it is a, it's a completely different security domain, right? Does that make sense? It kind right? of makes sense. Also, I mean, yeah. the data... Unlike, unlike most of our competitors, the data is also stored in uh, S3 um, in, a, in a completely different format, meaning that most uh, companies, most backup companies store their backups on file systems. Some are starting to use S3. That's all we do. Um, the other is that, the again, because it's a completely different uh, authentication and authorization system, we're able to build a lot of defenses around it that you can't do otherwise. So for example, um, if a, so the, the one thing, so we have MFA built into the product, right? But MFA can be defeated, right? You, you read uh, recently the, the, this, this concept of MFA exhaustion, right? So we said the one thing that would worry us is if a customer, uh, if someone get, broke through, someone, someone got access to a, uh, a Druva customer's uh, login credentials and then was able to defeat their MFA and then go in and start deleting their backups. So we built in protection for that. So it's not possible to do that. Um, there are two levels of protection. One is always there. One is optional on the part of the customer. Uh, the one that's always there is if someone, including you, if someone goes in and deletes a bunch of backups, our um uh, machine learning algorithm picks that up as anomalous activity, notifies you, and then says, did you mean to delete a whole bunch of backups? Yes, we did. Okay, have a nice day. No, we didn't. <clears throat> There's essentially a recycle bin for those backups uh, up to a time that you specify, right? That's the one that's always there. The one that's optional is that they have the option of saying that don't make the backups 100% immutable, meaning that uh, that even I can't delete them if I uh, if I if I try, right? So that makes them a hundred percent stoppable from uh, anyone, even the worst case scenario of someone gaining access to your 
administrative account. Um, the But all the data is stored outside your company. You think about all of the on-prem solutions out there, as good as their security happens to be, they're just another server in the data center being attacked by whatever it is that's trying to attack your uh, data center, right? Um, we are completely outside of that in a uh, an AWS region of your choosing. And so we, we, we can abide by um, data sovereignty laws and things like that, right? Um, it's also like, um, the 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 biggest thing I think when you look at it is with our competitors, you have to design and implement and maintain and secure a backup system. With us, you just have to say what it is that you want to back up, right? You don't have to design anything. You don't have to maintain anything. You don't have to secure everything, anything. Um, it, basically, everything is done for you on your behalf. Um and all you do is pay for what you use, right? It's a true SaaS service where you never pay for something that you uh, don't that you don't end up using. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, so you get to pick and choose what's actually being backed up rather than the whole. What you're saying? Well, what I'm saying is, you yes, you get to pick and choose what you back up, but also you don't have to design or maintain or secure anything in order to make that happen. So what, Pick, so what, what do I see? Do I see a portal and some sort of, you see a portal, you or, see, a, you see a website, right? You see okay. a website, Druva, you know, Druva.com. Yeah. And um, basically you log in as you, and when you're going to back up, it depends on what, you know, what you do next is depends on what you're going to be backing up. So let's say it's a VMware host, you install an OVA, that authenticates us into vSphere. You specify what VMs you want to back up, or you can just say back up all of them. Uh, and then, you know, go, right? Uh, that's the end of your design, your infrastructure involvement. And if you're backing up, let's say 365, you need to authenticate us to 365 so that we have the appropriate <laughs> permissions to be able to contact that. But okay. you're not, again, unlike everybody else, you're not designing the system that that goes into, either okay. from a, an OS perspective, a, a storage capacity perspective, and, and I think, most importantly, from a security perspective. You literally just have to essentially point, you know, go get that. Okay. All right. So it's, it's a little bit less, I don't need to worry about necessarily the plumbing, right? I have this portal. I do this authentication. What if I'm doing something like a legacy workload, right? Where I just have like a Windows or a Linux VM. Do I sign so in with a supervisor to do that? Or is there something? To, so basically, yeah, for, for Windows and Linux VMs, we have an agent. Okay. Right. And we, we also have uh, agents for SQL Server, Oracle, uh, most recently SAP HANA. Um, now, if you're, if you're true legacy, like Solaris, AIX, et cetera, that's not our that's not our business model. Okay. Um, what how did the mobile how does the mobile device thing work? Is there an an app for the mobile device or an agent? Yeah, that's also an app. Yeah, okay. same thing. App. Uh, you know, if it's if it's a uh, laptop, it's an agent. Um, it's it's completely seamless from the part of the end user the uh, what most people do is they they install it and then they have a policy that applies to all devices 
and uh, they just basically get like the my documents folder or whatever, you know, whatever it is they choose to back up across the environment. And then it just runs seamlessly in the, you know, to the customer or the end user, if you will. Uh, they don't, they don't ever notice any sort of performance impact while backups are running. Okay. I noticed I noticed on your on your website you have I, I can't help but notice it's like the second thing that I see is this ten million dollar guarantee. Yep. What's so what's it, the <laughs> so yeah, so basically it's about ransomware protection. Okay. And that uh so it is and, and there are there have been several ransomware guarantees out there. The we felt that when we came out with this one, what was different about ours was that essentially all we're saying is you have to use our service, right? Um, with with a lot of the other guarantees, there were a lot of uh, caveats put in place where you have to remember all that stuff that I said you have to do. You have to secure and maintain and maintain patches and all that stuff. Well, because our competitors have to do that when they have a guarantee, they have to say, you have to make sure that you're maintaining and doing the things that you're supposed to do in order for our guarantee to apply. Well, our guarantee is like, well, you have to actually use the service, right? Um, we can't we can't be guaranteeing something that we're not backing up. Uh, yeah. We have a, a few minor things, like you need to be a customer of a certain size, but the, the, the size is pretty small. Uh, and, um, you know, that's about it from a from a common sense thing that we put in the, in the guarantee. <laughs> Has anybody actually, you know, taken advantage of the ten million dollar guarantee? So, in order for you to get the, well, if you're saying, has anybody signed up for it? Yes, right. Has well, anybody needed like needed? Yeah, needed yeah. to file a claim against it? No, right. Yeah. To because to file a claim against it, the first thing you would have to have is that's my boss, by the way, uh, Justin, in the in the video there. Uh, to file a claim against it, you would first have to have a data loss, which is generally not something that our customers uh, have. Okay. So that's a, that's a lot, you know, it's a pretty high number, right? I mean, I guess the value of data is, um, you know, variable depending on who you are and what, you, what you're storing, right? But now the fact that you're putting that out there you know, it's a pretty bold statement. And, you know, if it's real and you stand by it, then that's a good, that's a good story. Right. I know, I know that when we came out with it, which was sometime last year that, yeah, it was about this time last year that we came out with it. Generally speaking, the pundits that looked at it, they felt that it was, you know, one of the more real ones uh, that are out there, that some of the ones that are out there are very clearly market wear uh or marketing where right uh that they have so many exclusions put into them that no one would ever possibly uh qualify for it so uh you know uh, that and that was the way i felt i helped i helped uh craft the the policy itself and uh we tried to just have common sense exclusions in it so would you say your solution is designed around you know, small companies, medium companies, big companies, managed service providers, everybody. Who, who, like, what, what's the sweet spot? So, first, given your title uh, of the of this uh, thing, I wanted to let you know that we do have an MSP program. Okay, um, well, we're, we're going to hear and, about that. We're definitely going to hear about yeah. that in a second. We'll drill into that. Yeah, I, I mean, we can talk but for, in terms of size. Yeah. yeah, in terms of size of company, I'll give you both a technical answer. And a, and a business answer, okay? 
So we use, um, I don't know how familiar you are with deduplication, but uh, you know, it's a core, core technology in backup. Mm -hmm. And there are two ways to do dedupe. You either do it at the target, meaning at, at an appliance, or you do it at the source, at the beginning of the backup. Mm -hmm. uh, there are very few companies that do it at the source. We are one of them. Because we do it at the source and because we have such low impact uh, on both the, the, the thing we're backing up as well as the bandwidth needed to back up, we can go as small as you need us to go, right? Meaning we can back up a, a laptop or a mobile device on an internet connection, you know, on a Wi-Fi connection, right? Okay. Um, and in terms of how big we can go, the only thing that limits us would be bandwidth, right? So, but we back up very big companies. We have, um, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world use us to back up their data centers. Uh, but at some point, basically, uh, you know, the number of petabytes, if you've got 20 petabytes of data and, you know, on a one gig line, that isn't going to work, right? Um, source ID dupe does a lot of wonders, but it doesn't, it does, it's not magic, right? But generally speaking, the companies that are larger, the problems that, that we have with them as a potential customer is that maybe they have some of those legacy workloads that I talked about. And they want to use one product to do everything, right? They want it. They want to back up Solaris and VMware and Microsoft 365. And we're like, well, we don't do that, right? So here, you know, th there may be a company that does all of those things with one product, um, but the, um, but so where, but where we do tend to business-wise, we tend to focus on not the smallest companies because from a just a cost of sale, it can be problematic. Uh, and then not, and we don't target the large companies, like the, the super large companies, right? We, we have plenty of them as our customers, but it's not our target market. So basically that puts us solidly in the middle. Okay. So let's talk about your MSP program now, because there's a lot of people that have very strong feelings on what an MSP program should or should not have. But I would love to understand if I'm an IT service provider, managed service provider, right. why would I look at your MSP offering versus somebody else's? And how is it structured? Are there minimums? Is there, you know, do I have to sell a certain amount every year to maintain my tier of service? How uh, does support work? All of that jazz, right? Light on us. Yeah. So, uh, so first off, I will say I am not a specialist in the MSP program, but I'll do my best, right? Fair enough. Uh, if that's all we were going to talk about, I would have brought on a different person. But I do know that we have um, the the program is designed to to let you you know the MSP be in the driver's seat. In that, yes, like any other program, uh, there you know there is a um, there is a minimum if you want to be a direct MSP. If you're smaller than that minimum, we have a like a mega MSP that we use that you can sell through. So in that case, that there really isn't a minimum, right? At that, and 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 I don't want to give the number because I will give the wrong number because it'll be what's up in my head and I don't look at it every day. I know that it's in the tens of thousands, right? It's not. It's it's in the low tens of thousands. So it's not, uh, and it's then like a, it's like a Microsoft setup, right? If you're big enough, you're doing enough volume, you'll you'll be direct. If not, you'll be indirect kind of thing. Right, but the 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 size 
is based on uh, basically essentially a customer or two should qualify you for the minimum that we have, whatever it is. Okay. Right. So is you don't have to you don't have to have a huge volume. Annual number or a monthly. That's an annual number. Okay. It's an annual that number, right? Yeah. Um, and then basically that determine what you you will commit to an annual number, and that determines your tier, right? But if you go over that, um, then you 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 have choices to basically renew by additional tiers. One one um, important thing about it is that you don't have to commit to a certain amount of each product that we sell. Your number is a total number and you can you can sell or buy that number however you want to do. If you want to sell 100% SaaS backup, let's say you want to do nothing but Microsoft 365 backup, that's fine with us. If you want to do nothing but data center backup, that's fine with us. Um, basically, the more you the more you commit to selling, the bigger your discount is and the more you make on what you sell through us. That's pretty much um, that's pretty much where that you should always be making money from the very start. But uh, the more you sell, the more money you will make on what you sell. OK, that, that kind of makes sense. Volume you know, dictates a lot, it, you know, is, um, is you know. Does the MSP have like a, a multi-tenanted portal that they manage all yes. their accounts in? And how you know how much self-service is involved here versus actually a human being needs to be involved from your side? So once the MSP portal is set up, it should be 100% self-managed by the MSP. Okay, cool. And then of course, the big thing these days are, you know, compliances, right? Everybody's end users could be across multiple verticals um, you know, can you help them check the boxes, right? Whether it's the medical or the financial or the, you know, government or whatever it is. Yes. Well, I mean, we have a list of things that we are or are not compliant with, uh, and happy to, happy to provide that via any MSP customer. Awesome. So have you guys been in the MSP? Is that MSP offering newer or have you been doing this for a while? So I'll give you two answers. One is yes, we have been. Uh, I'm a pretty straight shooter. Okay, I love it. We we had it. an MSP program that didn't really work for us, right? Okay. We rebooted that MSP program uh, about a year ago, I think. The new one doing very well. So um, you know, basically, we listened to the MSPs we had before in terms of what didn't work with that program. And, um, you know, came out with the new program. Well, that's good to know. I mean, I guess one of the, you know, the, the concerns in, you know, kind of the sandbox, I like to call it, right? MSP sandbox. Is that like a lot of vendors like yourselves, you know, are kind of more mid-market or enterprise. They come downstream into, you know, this kind of space. And then like, they kind of disappear, right? You know, like they, they were there. You know, somebody inside who's counting, you know, the you know, who has a calculator handy, right, says, mm, maybe this isn't working, right? And then, like, you off into the sunset, you never hear from them again. So you guys are kind of taking a second bite at the Apple, which is great because there's a lot of business to be done in the sandbox, but in the right way is the best way to say it, right? Yeah. So I'll tell you this. Um, we are at this point as a company, as a, you know, a company of over 10 years, we are starting to focus on the channel, right? Okay. Um, we, you know, we have our our largest um, 
I don't want to, I don't know if I want to rebrander. I don't think reseller would be the, the correct, <laughs> our largest rebrander would be Dell, right? Okay. Um, and uh, so Dell resells are, so it's rebranded as the Dell, I forgot the name of the, what they branded as, but their backup product service uh, is Druva underneath, but as a, as a Dell customer, it says Dell. Same thing with our, with our uh, MSP customers. We are absolutely um, basically becoming more and more of a channel play than we ever have been before, right? We see it as the, the long-term success of the company. No, 100%. I mean, like I said, lots of money to be made in MSP land. If it's done right, I would say the smaller guys, right? Let's, I'm, let me give you a number, like sub 10 employee MSP IT companies, they're not scared to sign up, you know, have a commitment, right? I don't know if you have to, you know, it sounds like for your thing, like it's an annual thing, right? One year at a yep. time. You know, a lot of those guys kind of don't like the two, three, four, five year lock-in, right? Like that right. tends to go counter to their model. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, like there's just certain, you know, like, the, you know, Dell is a great example, I'm not trying to knock on them, but, you know, brought them up like. Yeah, they were one of the guys that originally, okay, we're a channel company. And then all of a sudden it turned into a like, oh, well, we have a direct sales force. And then all of a sudden is, well, anytime we ship something, the catalog shows up in the mail the next day. And oh, by the way, if you deal register your stuff, our direct sales team are going to reach out to that end user. And now all of a sudden it's like this. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I, I will say, yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you off there, but I, I will say we know exactly what you're talking about. And we're definitely not that kind of company, right? And 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 we're we're doing the opposite essentially of what you know you're saying Dell is doing, uh, where basically we are trying to uh, you know basically make the uh, I mean we do have a direct sales force, but we're not competing with the channel for that business, right? And okay. that um, and I, with, without without you know um, uh, let's just say that. You know, if you were, if we were in a business meeting and with somebody who's more MSP focused, mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of answers where the MSP folks go, okay, that sounds good, right? Um, you know, things about what you're talking about, like deal registration, what happens, is, you know, is somebody going to go, uh, you know, what, what are you doing for your, with your sales team to incentivize them to make sure that they don't try to poach uh, an MSP deal, right? It, questions like that. I, I think those are very valid questions to ask. And uh, I've heard good answers to those questions, but I don't feel answering them uh, qualified answering them personally. So in when it comes to the $10 million, you know, kind of policy guarantee, we work, mm -hmm. you want to call it, you know, and again, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but does that then extend to the downstream end user, right? So if there's your company, there's the MSP mm -hmm. program. So obviously there's somebody in between and then there's the end customer. Does that go all the way down to the end customer? Meaning does the MSP be able to say, hey, by the way, if you, uh, if we, you know, we're gonna use this solution, it comes with a $10 million policy attached, here you go. Is that how it works? Or I just wanna make sure everybody understands. So again, I'm gonna give you the same answer as I did. I think it does, but I should have asked. I should have asked that question of one of our MSP folks. Okay. Um, and I know that we were discussing that when we were putting together the plan. Um, and I'm happy to 
uh, answer that. I'll I'll get an answer to that question for you uh, as soon as I'll I can. You, I'll tell you what. If the answer is yes, right? Mm -hmm. If the MSP can turn around and say, hey, by the way, not just to the end customer, but to their insurance company, right? Because MSP has to have their own, I'm sure, cyber liability and general business insurance and what have you. It's like, oh, right. by the way, I'm not saying they cover everything that we do, but when it comes to backups, if we're using this platform, there's this $10 million coverage or policy or guarantee that comes along with the solution. And by the way, here it is, right? Everybody can have a copy of it. You know exactly how it works. Um, you know, if you have any questions, we're happy to bring somebody from Druva on the line and they can explain. There's some, there's some good behind that type of story, right? Versus a lot of the times in MSP land, the concern is that, the MSP is taking on risk on behalf of their vendor, right? Where if something goes wrong, right? Like the MSP is in the middle of that conversation, right? So I don't know. I don't know what the actual answer is. I hope that the answer is yes. That's how it works. I think that's a really good story. I think that if you talk to a lot of the people in and around the sandbox, they would say, I, I'm not getting that from the other guys out there, right? So I would love to be right. able to not just use that from a peace of mind standpoint, from a you know, making sure, you know, my, my behind is covered, but also great marketing, you know, option as well, right? If they're, you know, number one, want to make sure it's real, right? But also, hey, you know, not everybody else is offering that just like that. Right. So I think- I'll get, uh, I'll get you an answer. That'd be great. Hi there, Keith Nelson. I, I forget that you have a PhD. I'm glad that you added that to your name. Oh, it's, well, just because I'm not very smart, it amazes people that I have one. <laughs> no, very smart guy. Uh, you know, Keith is uh, one of the more vocal voices in the in the sandbox. So we, we love when he jumps on. And Keith, you know, would probably say uh, he's probably said the word blue light special almost every time he's been on the show. So I beat him to it. Uh, <laughs> but Keith, how many vendors do you work with? I know you give some sort of SLA guarantee to your end customer in your business. Not many vendors in the sandbox offer that type of offering. So like that kind of excites me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's part of built into our costs, but like at the, at the ports, um, we have an SLA that says if dispatch is late due to system failure, it's, we pay a penalty. It's, 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 it's a normal and, you know, it was the same thing with the Boeing shop floor. That's why we make sure our, our um, systems are pretty redundant. And, you know, I can, all I can say is since 2000, when we installed it, we haven't been fined yet. Never missed a dispatch, never missed a, no loss of data, no system failures, blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, from that, we, we demand a certain amount of support. You know, I'm not looking at price as much as making money. And those are two different things. Yeah, that, Pete, if I just interject here for a second. Uh, no, that wasn't Pete. That was, uh, yeah, that was Keith. Sorry. Um, that's probably why he didn't stop talking when I said Pete. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what, so there's SLAs and then there's the $10 million guarantee. We have SLAs for everyone, SLAs that are tied to um, costs, just like you talked about, or tied to penalties, whatever the right word for that is. Um, the, specifically, the $10 million guarantee is a, is a, basically what we did was we looked at the SLAs we were offering and we said, can we basically bundle them together into a, um, you know, into what you see, right? Uh, but I know that we have SLAs that uh, are, 
that do apply to all customers, including MSP customers. I, 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 you know, picking the, you know, I think picking the right technologies that can support the demands that we have. No, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, listen, I, the reason I even bring this up because we've had so many conversations over the last one, two, three years of, you know, the MSP kind of getting stuck in a crap sandwich, right? The technology provider getting stuck in between somebody behind, uh, uh, upstream from them and the end customer. And then, you know, I guess if like, you're not very good at making sure that your agreements are written properly and something bad happens, guess who gets smushed? The guy in between, right? So, uh, and we talked about the rising cost of cyber, uh, cyber liability coverages and, and we've talked at nauseum about how that's becoming more expensive and harder to get. And there's all these exclusions and they ate the one page checklist turned into the 10 page checklist. And now all of a sudden, um, you know, things are a little bit scarier, right? So like, it's kind of interesting when somebody, and again, granted Druva is now coming back into MSP land for a second run, which is great. We'll get a firm confirmation if that, you know, offer that guarantee applies downstream. I hope that it does, but let's say that it does. Keith, we're not seeing a lot of vendors come into the space with that type of bold proclamation, right? I mean, usually, you know, there's a lot of, you got to dig pretty far to find out what the actual, you know, terms of service say before you actually get to anything like that. Yeah, I would agree. Most of them come in based on a price or some glitz or, you know, it's, it's usually not substantive. Yeah. So, hey, you know, like if this, you know, if this is their way back into resetting the conversation, I would definitely, you know, if somebody's willing to at least put, you know, it's out on their webpage, right? They're not hiding it. It's on a billboard, Right. Right. Um, maybe that starts a different trend in the sandbox, right? Where vendors are like, hey, listen, we're really confident about our solution so much so that we're willing to offer X, right? You know, could be could be a new way to do business in the sandbox. I don't know. I think it's a new different way where, where you're seeing a lot of consolidation where they're basically saying, here's the terms or you don't do business with us. And, and you're, there's a lot of that right now in the marketplace and the a lot of frustration I could see. I think you, you know, you were pretty vocal online recently about some challenges you've been having. I don't know. Did you ever get resolution on that, by the way? Did you ever get an answer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the resolution is, yeah. I mean, they, they corrected the, the, the billing issues and just said, let's part ways. Okay. Well, and I said, okay, I'm okay with that. I, I you know, well, you know, it took, it took a lot of effort on your part to get that sorted. Right. Which is, Coming back to Curtis, right? If you could take any advice from people who do business in MSP land or again the sandbox, you know, being able to get a hold of someone when there's an issue, whatever it is, right? Whether it's technical, billing, account management, whatever, and then like actually getting some sort of resolution in a timely manner rather than constantly knocking on the door trying to figure out what's going on, right? I mean, I know that yeah. sounds silly and probably pretty straightforward, but Man, so many people just crash at that point, you know, in the conversation. It, it should be it should be pretty straightforward, but it is it isn't always the case, right? So uh, I'm I'm happy to say that basically I hear good things from our side of the fence. So uh, you know, meaning that you know from a from a um, you know, darn it, there is an acronym. Um, what is the net? Net promoter score, right? Our net promoter score is very high. 
um, and uh, the uh, you know, we get very good uh, scores on our customer service, right? And we do have a dedicated team uh, with the uh, for for MSPs, and so you have somebody that you can always call, and that team is you know sized pretty well for the number of MSPs we have, and as the number of MSPs grows, that that team should grow. Because is I agree your, with you. Are you like if? I don't know if you know this number, I'm going to ask anyway, would you say the majority of your business is based here in North America or like what's the percentage of North American versus the rest of the world? I, do, I don't know that number uh, because again, I focus mainly on the technical side, but I know that we started in North America uh, and have expanded abroad. So I would assume that the majority is here, but we, I know we are having a, um, a significant amount of growth in many other uh, countries. So, you know, and we have, we have a physical, you know, we're not one of the mistakes American companies make when they go abroad is they're going to run things from here. We're not doing that. Right. We have physical presence in a lot of, you know, we have physical presence in APAC uh, in um, you know, in uh, Europe uh, and um and other places, I don't want to throw out some names because I, I know we have some other places, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be wrong. But I know that we're, we're, uh, we're not trying to run everything from here. And I know that we've been very successful abroad. Not everybody can be in sunny San Diego. Uh, not everybody can be in sunny San Diego, which hasn't uh, been very sunny for the last month, by the way. It's been, I don't well, know if you've heard. If 11 out of 12 months of the year, it's pretty nice. I still think you have, you got to be beat here in Philadelphia area. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, listen, if, you, if you're interested in switching places during the wintertime, you know where to find me. Uh, <laughs> well, I have, I have lived in your neck of the woods and I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I probably say the same thing too, when it comes to the weather topic. Um, do you guys pop up or do you plan to pop up at events, industry events around MSP land, or have you not gone down that road yet? Uh, that is a great question that I will also ask. Um, but I, I know that we are at many industry events. Um, but, um, the, uh, I really, I really should have just had my MSP come on instead of me, but it's all good. uh, Well, so if they can't see it at some point, hopefully they'll bump into you in person or your team, where do they find more information about the company and maybe the MSP program? And like, who would they reach out to, to get more information? Yeah, so uh, obviously druva.com is the um, uh, the website, uh, druva.com, and they can reach out directly to me, and then I will I will uh, happy to forward them. Uh, and I'm Curtis.Preston at uh, druva.com, and um, also you know if you're interested in my podcast, I have uh, two, which is the Restore It All podcast. That's my independent podcast that I've had for a while. And then I also do the No Hardware Required podcast for Druva. Oh, No Hardware Required. I like that. That's actually pretty trendy. Uh, That's good. I love that everybody's like in creator mode. That's kind of the way things are are working these days. And I love people uh, doing even their own personal one. That's pretty cool. I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. So for anybody that hasn't heard of Druva, check out druva.com. Connect with Curtis online. I'm sure he's on all the platforms. Curtis Preston, do a search. I'm sure he'll pop up. Check out the two podcasts. Of course, this session was recorded. We'll have this posted online uh, pretty soon. 
And then hopefully we'll find, uh, you know, we'll get some of the answers that Curtis said he was going to look up for us and we'll share them with you once we have them. And then that way you'll have a little bit more, uh, you know, information and man, that tent, you know, the thing I keep gravitating to, cause it's like right on the main page, can't avoid it. Is like right to right center, $10 million guarantee. I think it just sounds really good. Uh, I don't know. I like it. I really like it a lot. So uh, Keith Nelson, hope everything is well with you, sir. I hopefully we'll see you soon somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Need to catch uh, how, By the way, how was Chicago? I know you went out there for CompTIA. Hey, it was great. You know, uh, Ken was there. So, he, you know, he makes the party. <laughs> sure does. Sure does. And we'll be seeing Ken here pretty short, shortly as well. Cause you know, we love to do things in the sandbox uh, collectively. So always, uh, always a good time. Um, Stay tuned. We'll be making some more announcements, but check out everything that we do at mspinitiative.com. And we will continue seeing you on Tuesdays and Thursdays, one o'clock Eastern time. Catch you guys on the next one. And Curtis, very nice to, uh, to meet you, sir. And hopefully uh, be talking to you soon. Absolutely. Have a good one, guys. Take it easy. Right.